This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey podcast. It's called PuckCast with Statsman and AJ and friends. I'm Paul Bruno. I'm thrilled to be back after a three-week hiatus uh, in Europe. Uh, you can hit me up at Statsman22, as always. My co-host, who did a fine job in the lead chair over the last couple of weeks, is AJ Scholes. You can follow him at AJ Scholes 24 That's AJ, S-C-H-O-L-Z, 24. AJ, uh, I said, I told you I had a fabulous trek through Europe with stops in London, Paris, Amsterdam, Venice, and Rome over the past three weeks. Saw a lot of great places and visited with a lot of relatives, but I did listen to podcast episodes while I was away, and you and other RotoWire staffers did a great job in holding the fort in my absence, so I thank you for that. And I'll tell my listeners, I, I kept uh, as in touch as I could with spotty internet through my travels. I did check box scores daily, so I didn't miss too much, I don't think. But uh, the biggest headlines for me continue to revolve around my favorite club with a big development that impacts our dollar bet. And we can talk about that a little bit later, but I'm sure you're pretty excited about that development from your perspective. Uh, let's bring in my partner, AJ. Nice job by you, Mike and Jordan, while I was away. The big news that came down yesterday, and that is the NHL announcing multi-year sports betting partnership with MGM. You want to comment on that a little bit? Yeah, so I will say uh, thank you to Mike and Jordan right off the top for filling in for me, or filling in for you, filling in with me, rather. Um, But I will say I'm happy to have you back, Paul. Uh, It's much easier to be on this end. I let you do all the thinking, and I just show up and and talk. Just show up and look pretty. Uh, So, you know... Uh, glad to have you back. Glad you enjoy your trip. Yeah, as far as the, the partnership with MGM, look, I, I mean, I'm obviously not a uh, not one who's against betting or, or anything like that. So um, I'm looking at it from kind of a stabilization of the league standpoint. We've had uh, really good growth the last, last couple of years. Um, but the one thing that the NHL still doesn't really have compared to some of the other big sports uh, are those big TV deals. Now, there there are definitely some. Uh, they added the ESPN Plus. Uh, you can watch games over on there as well, uh, in addition to NBC and NBC Sportsnet. So I'm looking at this as another uh, influx of, of funding for the league that will hopefully help um, you know, stabilize it. Maybe this uh, gets away from some of those, uh, you know, concerns about lockouts in the future. If they have 
uh, you know, more generated cash flow for the league. So for me, I think from that standpoint, it's it's probably a good thing. Well, uh, from my perspective, uh, the the NHL is talking about not really get involved in the betting side of it. They just want to get more involved in the data collection. They're talking about putting uh, uh, some small device on the players to track all their movement and such. So we're going to get a lot more good information out of that sort of thing that's just going to help us in terms of analyzing players, analyzing teams. And so that's going to be great for our show and for people that follow it, AJ. So I'm excited about all that too. Yeah, I agree. The the one interesting thing that uh, I think the commissioner said yesterday is that they're not going to consider changing the injury reporting status. Uh, that was something that was always talked about going to more of an NFL style where you have to really uh, be upfront and clear. So it sounds like we're not getting rid of upper body or lower body injuries anytime soon. But uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy, hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer those questions uh, throughout the week or maybe even during one of our shows. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, let's get into today's show, AJ. We want to tackle, take a look at the first month, uh, call it a review for each of the 31 teams. So let's kick it off, as we always do, with the Anaheim Ducks. They're sitting with a 5-5-2 record. We noted early on that Corey Perry's expected to miss uh, up to several, five or six months, it seems. He left a huge hole there in the lineup at the top six, but Max Comtois filled in admirably with seven points in his first 10 games. But now he, too, is on the IR with a lower body injury, though. He may be able to return by November 1st, they're saying, as it's not considered a serious incident. In addition, uh, Jakob Silverberg returned last game from a hand injury to the top six role that he's been uh, associated with over the last few years, so that's good news for the Ducks. Top, the top four D-men have provided lots of offense, uh, as expected, and been central to keeping a lid on goals against, so they're doing effective two-way work despite this rash of injuries, so good on them for at least treading water at the, at the moment. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this team is uh, if you look at the production numbers, nobody is really heads and tails above the rest uh, in terms of percentage. Uh, you look, you've got Getzlaff, Raquel, and Silverberg all accounting for about 9% of the team's total points uh, each. And so uh, it's not been very heavily dependent on any one line or any one group. Now, some of that, as you mentioned, is due to injuries. Patrick Eves hasn't played yet. Uh, you know, even depth guys are, are dealing with injuries. Carter Rowney's on IR. Uh, Nick Ritchie's been banged up. Andre Case dealing with an injury as well. So um, they're definitely hurting by that. And, and you're seeing that reflected in, the, in kind of the even distribution of uh, point production. Up next, the Arizona Coyotes, uh, five and five as well. After b being limited to only three goals scored in their first five games, people were wondering about setting record lows on the season. But the offense has really exploded, AJ, over the last five games. 22 goals in the bank. The best news in that recent surge, though, is that Alex Yelchenyuk didn't really participate in all of it. He's coming off a lower body injury, contributed two points in his last two games. So that's good news for the offense that's uh, kind of picked it up. I also like the fact that jo Jordan Osterley has emerged as a third scoring option on the blue line with four points in seven games, as we predicted in the preseason that he might. So good on us for at least getting, looking like we got that right in, in the Arizona defense situation. Yeah, well, one concern, though, with that defense has to be Oliver ekman Larson. Uh, no goals through the first 10 games now. He's broken uh, 20 twice, but it's been uh, a couple of years since that happened. Uh, but at least has always been in the double digits. 
And so the fact no goals through 10, maybe not time to like completely panic or freak out, um, does have five assists with those actually coming uh, in his last five games. He had no points through the first five. So maybe that's an indication that things are starting to pick up for him, getting plenty of opportunities on the power play in terms of ice time there. So um, there, there are some concerns for me on, on the blue line here. But as you mentioned, you know, getting uh, getting some people back will be good for them. With the Boston Bruins, boy, they're uh, humming along as they have for the last few years. The big line uh, is off to a torrid start that everyone who watched them play is the, arguably the best line last season. So uh, no surprises there, but uh, they have to be heartened by the fact that David Krejci continues to anchor that second line with nine points in 11 games, and that's a much better pace than he ha- that he has had in the last two seasons. So good news there. That means to keep an eye on his wingers, Danton Heinen and Jake DeBrusque, We've talked a little bit about DeBrusque, but Heinen has been holding up his end of the bargain, too. On the blue line, Charlie McAvoy looks ready to beat his rookie record of 32 points. He's got six in the seven games that he's played to date. That was achieved, though, with Tori Krug on the IR and and, uh, McAvoy picking up big minutes on the power play. But uh, uh, Krug uh, could return tonight, so that could factor into McAvoy's production going forward. In goal, Tuka Rask has struggled while Yarrow Halak has been great in the Nets. I wonder if there's a brewing controversy in the, in the Nets uh, situation there, AJ. Yeah, there really might be. And, and, and at first, I kind of dismissed this as, you know, some early season struggles. Halak just looking really good. Um, but he's yet to lose in, in regulation at this point. Uh, three wins, two overtime losses. He's got a pair of shutouts over that stretch. And now, I don't think uh, Tuca is going to lose out on the starting job. I think it's too soon to, to call that. Um, but what I do think you may see is Halak. Uh, I think originally I kind of expected him to be in the 20, maybe push him for 25 but now at this point, I think you're talking 30 to 35 starts for Halak uh, as it gets to b- a bit more of an even split. And you mentioned the blue line. Uh, Miller is on IR. McAvoy got placed on IR recently. Uh, the youngster, uh, Euro Vakinanen, is day to day with his concussion. So really banged up group there. Getting Tory Crew back uh, couldn't be timed better for them right now uh, with all those injuries. In Buffalo, they're sitting with a 6-4-1 and one record. That has to rank as one of the surprises in the Eastern Conference, AJ. Jeff Skinner, uh, the pickup that they signed for a one-year deal, is thriving as a first-line left wing with 12 points in only six games played. He's a pending UFA at the end of the season. And uh, in addition, 35-year-old Jason Pominville is also doing well with nine points in 11 games. The common factor, well, Jack Eichel impacts both of them as a center who is really emerging as one of the league's elite players. We also know about uh, Dahlin and Ristolainen on the blue line, but Jake McCabe is a, 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 the guy who's leading in D-scoring here with seven points in 11 games. He's partnered with, uh, with these guys from time to time. More often than not, gets, gets Dahlin right now, and maybe some power play time as well. So keep an eye on him. And also keep an eye on uh, Casey Middlestat. Now he has uh, 10 games played, so it looks like he's staying with the big club in a third line role. If you need to stash him, this is a good guy to stash below your line in case of injuries, because I think he's going to get an opportunity here uh, to get more minutes as the season goes on. And in goal, Carter Hutton has been extraordinary so far, A.G. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Middlestat there. Um, His numbers are only going to increase. 
Uh, and they may decide at some point here to flip that second and third line or, or at the very least flip uh, Middlestat and Sabalka or move Sabalka back to wing. Uh, so they do have some options there as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jake McCabe uh, looking like he'll be out tonight, which I think the, the most interesting factor of that is we're going to see the all Rasmus line uh, or pairing rather. It looks like Darlene and Ristolainen uh, are set to play together if, if McCabe can't go. And I, I really kind of want to watch uh, some of that game. There's a ton of options to watch tonight, but I do want to catch a little bit of that and see how well those two guys play together. They're both offensively minded, which is kind of my big concern there. Uh, neither one is exactly a defensive stalwart, but they're both capable of playing defense. Uh, so I, I'm definitely interested to see how that pans out. Well, I got a close look at Calgary last night when they came into Toronto. I was at the game. Uh, uh, I want my dollar back, Paul. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the Flames took advantage of the Leafs laying an egg. Mike Smith, the subject of that dollar bet last season, been very ordinary and winning only four of nine starts, including last night's tilt. Well, it goals against is still north of three a game and a save percentage under 90%. The big off-season signing here was James Neal. He's only collected three points in 12 games, so they have to be concerned about his slow start. Most of the other top guns have produced as expected, but I'm also disappointed on the blue line by T.J. Brody. He has only four assists uh, thus far, I thought. Uh, with the changes they made on the blue line, I thought he would be a lot better than that. I'm also impressed, though, by how Elias Lindholm has uh, come onto the team and collected 12 points, including his eighth goal, which he notched last night. He was the first star in that hockey game. Yeah. So, I mean, if you watched uh, Smith last night, you obviously saw a good outing. And, and I do think that's kind of been uh, his M.O. As you see, you know, he shows these flashes, which is what, you know, gives people, uh, you know, makes people believe in him year after year. The opening night, he had a 43 save shutout again on the road against Nashville, uh, goes on the road against Toronto, gives up just one last night, albeit uh, without their star center there. But then he lays the absolute egg at home, gives up six to my Penguins uh, on just 21 shots. And so I think it's the inconsistency factor here. Uh, and I think some of that is going to allow David Ritchie to see a little bit more time. I think they're going to give him opportunities uh, just to see what they have there as far as long term goes, because obviously uh, Smith is is on the back end of his career at 36 years old, while Rich uh, Richie is just 26. So there's a 10 year gap in age. So they're definitely going to want to see what they have uh, for the future and how that shakes up, especially, I think, if this season starts to go south, if they're still in the mix for a playoff spot, I, I would expect Smith to see the bulk of the starts down the road. But if at any point it becomes clear that they're really pretty much out of it, uh, I would expect to see that flip. In Carolina, uh, Sebastian Ajo leads a team that is 6-4-1. and one. He has exploded with 16 points and 11 games played in year three of his career. We've seen this before, AJ. It seems like a couple of, a lot of youngsters, they get the get it between the ears and start to have it translate into point scoring. It's happening for this young guy who was a recent high draft pick. But also keep an eye on his sidekick, Toivo Teravainen, he has 11 points as well. On the blue line, Brett Pesci is an emerging force uh, here, and uh, he's been rumored in trade bait with the Leafs. We can talk about that with the Willie Nylander situation a little bit later. But uh, uh, on the uh, flip side, I don't think we should overrate a guy like a Michael Furland, who has 10 points in 11 games in a top six role. He's kind of riding shotgun with some excellent players, but I don't think he has it in him to collect 60, 70 points. It's just not in his 
DNA, I don't think. Another young prospect to look at is uh, keep an eye on is Warren Fogel. A pleasant surprise as first line left wing with five points thus far. In the Nets, they've had a bit of a circus uh, situation there with second and third stringers going. But uh, Scott Darling looks ready to reclaim that number one role. He's going to get back between the pipes this week, and I look for him to hold on to it. Yeah, I was really high on Fogo coming out the gate, and and at at first it looked like that was going to be uh, kind of the long term expectation. Three goals in the first three games, uh, has just one point in his last seven contests. So I've I've gone a little bit sour uh, on my outlook for him. Now I mentioned uh, the even distribution of point scoring uh, for for Anaheim. That's the complete opposite here. You look at that Ajo, Teravainen, and Furland line. They're currently accounting for 41 percent of the team's uh, point total this season. So that's pretty high. Now it's not the highest in the league right now, and maybe we'll, I'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but it is pretty high. So for me, uh, it's kind of all or nothing on these guys right now. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned the goaltending situation. Perhaps Curtis McElhinney will make his way back to the Leafs organization. I would expect to see him on waivers at some point here uh, as they go back down to just two goaltenders. With the Chicago Blackhawks, you have to look at this record and say, man, we didn't expect this. They're 6-3-3. Three, and three. Did we write them off too early, AJ? I wonder. Their stars are shining. Kane and Taves doing what they always do. Alex Debrinkat has shunned the sophomore jinx too. Uh, 14 points in 12 games for him. Surprise contributors include one Henry Yoki Harju with seven points and uh, three shots on goal per game from the blue line. And Dominic Cahoon playing with Taves on that top line. He has seven points in 12 games. In the Nets, Corey Crawford has looked great in his first four starts before getting shelled in his last outing. So you hope for a bounce back there. At least the Hawks do. And on defense, the injury concern that, that I see is Connor Murphy on the IR with a back injury that could keep him out for a while. Yeah, I think the thing here is, I, myself included, I think a lot of people were uncertain about what sort of version of Corey Crawford you were going to get back. He had been gone for so long, it was hard to really say that he would come back and be as dominant as he was through the first three, uh, you know, a few outings there. And so that has been the X factor. The other thing uh, that's kind of interesting is they had Brandon Saad uh, in a third line role and it really wasn't working well over the last couple of games. Uh, they've upped his power play ice time. Uh, he wasn't on the power play for three games in a row and then they put him on there. Uh, and that number has jumped drastically, looking a little bit over three minutes per game. And he's got two goals and an assist to show for it. So that that increased role, moving him from the third line up to the second line to play with Anisimov and Kane has been a huge factor for him. Uh, and as long as he's in that role, I think he's a great uh, kind of value guy here. Uh, you know, he's not going to cost you in, in most formats what you would for Kane uh, going to be a little bit cheaper there. But so we'll see how long he can hold on to that role. But if if he's there, he'll definitely continue to produce over in Columbus. They're sitting with a six, four, a six, four and oh record. And AJ, right off the top, you look at the top of their scoring list and our Tommy Panarin. He surprised me with 15 points in 10 games played because I, I heard little whispers that he didn't seem to be all that happy over there, but certainly hasn't translated into his on-ice performance. Uh, Felino, uh, for his part, is bounce, having a bit of a bounce back to a, off a terrible season last year. He's got seven points in 10 games playing second-line center role. I thought he'd be more comfortable on the wing, but he's looked okay so far. The trouble is Brandon Dubinsky has only played two games before 
being knocked out of the lineup for four to six weeks with an oblique injury, and that's what's forced Felino's hand there. After missing his first seven games, Seth Jones has returned in style with a goal and a plus three in three games played. So he's ready to cl- reclaim his spot as the, one of the top D-men here. His running mate, Zach Wierenski, though, hasn't missed a beat with eight points in ten games. We'll also keep an eye on Anthony Duclair, who's off to a pretty nice start. Uh, he, I've called the last-chance saloon for this guy a couple of times, AJ. He's got four goals, two assists, and ten games played. Looking good in Columbus thus far. Yeah, that's that's dead on there with Duclair. I do think uh, he may have been uh, kind of on his his last uh, last go around here if it didn't uh, pan out. And for me, I think the concern with this team is kind of the middle of the lineup without Dubinsky in there. Uh, Riley Nash is is not exactly the uh, you know the young gun uh, that he has been in the past. Uh, just two points through the first ten games, had forty one last year. Uh, and I think that's going to go down as a bit of an anomaly in his career. I expect him to be closer to the 20 points a year he put up while he was with uh, Carolina for most of those seasons and not exactly the 41 you saw last year. So having him as a fourth line center is decent option, but I just don't see the kind of star power down the middle with this team. And and you have to wonder, is Panarin trying to play his way into you know into a trade or you know into a better deal next season uh but i i think he's going to put it all out on there all all of it out on the ice in order to set himself up for that so i'm not totally surprised that in a contract year like this he's having a, a solid season Colorado, another team that's off to a great start, AJ. They're 7-3-2. and two. The first line is the top-scoring trio in the league. They're all familiar names. Uh, jo- uh, Ty- Tyson Jost, only two points in 11 games. That's a bit of a concern. And he's now out with a head injury. Alex Kerfoot and Carl Soderberg give this team solid depth scoring at center ice right through the third line. And I'm also a believer on the blue line in Eric Johnson. He's uh, a capable scorer. He's shown that in the past, and he's got six points and, tw- and a plus eight in 12 games played so far. Far So that's good to see. In goal, uh, Varlamov has been lights out with a 162 goals against, a 950 save percentage in eight games played. So a lot of good news over there in Colorado. Well, and Grubauer has been really good as well uh, for them. Three and one, 2.67 uh, GAA. And so they've got a really strong goalie tandem. I expect these guys to maybe do some sort of, uh, you know, two, three games off, two, three games on. I'm I'm looking at this being a pretty even split here. Uh, Even though Varlamov has played so well, it's because they do have Grubauer kind of matching that. Now, again, I, I talked about top line heaviness and you nailed it on the head with their production. 50% 50% of Colorado's uh, points are being produced by Rantanen, Landeskog, and McKinnon. Uh, that is the highest in the league right now and, and really kind of indicative of how much this team is somewhat of a one-trick pony. Uh, you know, you've got Marco Dano, who could barely make the roster in Winnipeg playing a top-six role uh, right now. You you do have injuries factoring into that a little bit. Tyson Yost is banged up. JT Comfer is on IR, but... Um, I, I do think there's some long-term concerns uh, for me looking at this club. The record is there. The goaltending is, is solid, but uh, there's just not enough scoring outside of that top group. And you might say the same thing about the Dallas Stars, AJ. They're kind of treading water at 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Alex Radulov has 10 points in six games played. He's dealing with a lower body injury, but might return tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. They really miss this guy. He's a heart and soul guy team leader here they have to be encouraged also by the rebound uh, 
of uh, Jason Spezza with eight points in 10 games so far this year after a bit of a write-off campaign last year. In goal, Bishop has been solid with a 242 goals against average, 917 save percentages in his eight games, though he's missed uh, Johns and Mathot on the blue line. Both of these guys, pretty good defensive defensemen, both out with injuries, though the latter could return this week. In addition, uh, 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 prospect of summer now, Tyler Pitlick is off to a bit of a slow start with only two points in 10 games. They'd like to see much more from him because they have a lot invested in him uh, in terms of hopes for the future. Yeah, with Pitlick, it, it was kind of an interesting uh, story that came out that uh, the the coach asked Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan who they wanted to play with when, when Radulov got hurt, and they said Tyler Pitlick uh, as, as the story goes, which I found really interesting, kind of hopefully a boost of confidence uh, for the winger there that, that those two guys would want to play with him. And then the surprise for me here is uh, Valeri Nushkinen has done uh, really nothing this season, has one assist. Now he did have um, some injuries that kept him out for a couple of games, but overall he just hasn't produced uh, anywhere near the levels that, that we thought he might um, based on his 2015 and 2013 you know, seasons when last time he was in the NHL. Um, just one assist through five games. Uh, I'd like to see more from him. His ice time is really low. It's under 12 minutes a game, so that's certainly a factor as well. In Detroit, boy, they're 2-7-2, and two, and uh, even general manager Jimmy Devolano, a friend of the show, he predicted this was going to be a long season for the Red Wings, so tough news for them. Shoddy D-work and goalies. Okay, Howard's been decent in that, but Bernier really stinks, AJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, that was expected, but a pop gun offense, not so much. The likes of Larkin, Nyquist, and Athanasio are producing offense, but not outscoring the goals they're giving up. Minus figures all over the place here. Uh, Thomas Vanek, minus 8, and Anthony Mantha, minus 11, not even doing that much. Promising talent Evgeny Shvechnikov underwent surgery to reconstruct his torn ACL after a couple of games here. He'll, he'll be lost for the whole season, so it just looks like a long season ahead for Wings fans, and we have a bunch of them at head office, don't we? Yeah, the one kind of somewhat encouraging thing is they are getting Mike Green back. He's kind of just readjusting, uh, you know, having been out uh, due to that that injury or that illness rather uh, does have an assist uh, in one of his first two games back. So that could help stabilize a little bit. But Franz Nielsen's going to miss at least the next two. Andreas Athanasio is set to miss uh, two games as well. Uh, and so there are definitely some serious concerns. I thought the most interesting story I heard about Detroit recently was uh, they have this promotion with uh, Arby's to get free uh, curly fries when somebody scored a hat trick. It's been kind of a longstanding thing. Well, nobody scored a hat trick last year and through the first uh, 11 games, nobody's done it again this year. So the promotion got changed to if the team just scores three goals, they'll give away three curly fries. I think that's pretty indicative of the expectations around Detroit and how bad this team uh, is going to end up looking. Over in Edmonton, they're sitting with a 6-3-1 and one mark, uh, AJ, so the fans are excited about that good start. Ryan Nugent Hopkins' numbers are up with 12 points in 10 games played, playing alongside Connor McDavid. There's lots of toughness on this roster, so that uh, I want to highlight Milan Lucic and his $6 million cap hit. Only four points in 10, 10 games played, and he's playing a third-line role. That, to me, is a big waste. You can't miss with big contracts and uh, cap hits like his so that hurts them right now darnell nurse looks like uh, he's one of the tough guys and on, on the blue line one of the toughest guys in the league but also has offensive skills 
five points and almost three shots on goal per game. I'm looking for a big career-type season from him. In the Nets, though, th that is where the key is held by Cam Talbot. He's off to a nice start with a 267 goals against, a 909 save, center, save percentage. He needs to hold up his end of the bargain if he, this team's going to truly go anywhere. Absolutely. Uh, one of the players that I've, I've really liked uh, this season so far is Oscar Clefbaum. I thought, uh, you know, there's no goals there yet, but getting uh, huge minutes on, on the power play. In fact, uh, in their October 27th game against Nashville, he played almost eight minutes of power play ice time for 30 minutes total on the night. Uh, he's hit that 30 minute mark twice on the season. So plenty of opportunities. The goals will come. Uh, he's got four assists through 10 games. Uh, two of those have come with the man advantage. So I really like everything Clefbaum's doing. Uh, he's kind of really stepped uh, stepped up a little bit with uh, Andre Sakara being unavailable for them. Uh, and obviously uh, this team start and stops with Connor McDavid and Kyler Yamamoto uh, hasn't really produced as well as I thought he would have uh, getting that top line assignment. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe change it up uh, and put somebody else in that role. Obviously, Ty Ratty was filling it until he got hurt. He could hopefully return soon, so maybe they're not as concerned about it. But depending on when Ratty's going to be back, they may need to look at somebody else on that right wing. In Florida, this team is struggling, AJ. Uh, I thought they were going to be uh, not necessarily a top two team in the Atlantic, but they're at the bottom of the standings with a 2-4-3 mark. Uh, big news, James Reimers had to be the, the guy in nets, and he hasn't really delivered the goods. Uh, 341 goals against, 2878 save percentage. Roberto Luongo is about a week away from his return, and hopefully that'll help them. The top forwards are certainly delivering here, except for Bugstad. He's only got four points in nine games. I'm a big fan of his, so I expect a turnaround because so many other of his peers in the top six are delivering. Uh, defensively, uh, Aaron Ekblad has only two points. It wasn't too long ago where he was touted as one of the top young defensemen in the game but really not looking like it right now he and Matheson have been disappointing on the blue line so far in terms of scoring options that they have there Colton Sevier is a player that I think you got to watch uh, he's uh, an unheralded guy but he's getting second line minutes with Trocek and Huberto and uh, geez you and I could do well alongside those guys so <laughs> keep an eye on Sevier to see if he might provide some value uh, over the next couple of weeks yeah, I think the, the one uh, kind of interesting uh, aspect here is, is Mike Hoffman. Uh, we got asked about if he was going to start scoring anytime soon uh, and actually got a goal that night. Well, he's got a goal in each of his last four games, five goals in his last six total. Uh, so clearly he has found his stride after, you know, a bit of a slow start to the season. And so he's looking a lot better. I wouldn't be shocked to see him move up. They've still got him penciled in in that third line role. Uh, but Colton Skiver hasn't added much uh, to that Huberdeau Trocek line. I get that you might want to stretch out your scoring a little bit by having Hoffman in that third. Um, but it might be time to maybe look at flipping those two guys and, and really putting together um, perhaps one of the most dangerous second lines in the league in a, in a Huberdeau Trocek Hoffman line. Los Angeles Kings are a team that I was high on at the beginning of the season, AJ, uh, but they're also the oldest team in the league, and maybe the age is showing right now. They're 3-7-1. and one. It's the most disappointing start of any team by my expectations. Uh, one guy who's kind of buck, buck, trying to buck that trend is Ilya Kovalchuk. He's got a respectable eight points in 11 games played, but... Uh, more telling is that Anse Kopitar is off to that slow start with only four points in 10 games played on defense. 
a big a lot of money is being spent on Dion Phaneuf. He has no points and a minus seven to show for it. He's looked even slower than than we remember here in Toronto. The worst news though is in goal, where Jonathan Quick is on the IR a second time in October with lower body issues. That's forced Jack Campbell and Campbell in the nets, and the only people that are happy about that are the owners that he has in fantasy hockey. So uh, tough times in L.A. Yeah, I'm not sure how happy those owners of Jack Campbell have been of late. Uh, got the win uh, just the other night, but prior to that had been on a bit of a, a slump there. Three losses in, in four games prior to that win. So maybe he's turning it around a little bit. I think if he continues to struggle, we might see Peter, Peter Budai in there uh, just to give a, a bit of a change of pace. Look, I questioned the FNUF acquisition last season. Uh, you know, it looked like maybe a cap saving move, but it really didn't save uh, you know, the Kings or Ottawa, any cap with the fact they sent Marion Gabrick the other way. Uh, and I just think you're adding an already, you know, kind of slow uh, elder statesman of the game to a pretty, as you mentioned, pretty old team. Ilya Kovalchuk's been kind of disappointing, really. I mean, eight points, 11 games. That's great. But this guy was a 30, 40, even 50 goal scorer uh, in the past. And so to only have three goals through 11 games, I think there were a lot of higher expectations uh, than that heading into the season. With Minnesota, they took a loss last night, but they're still a strong 6-3-2 and two so far, AJ. Zach Parise a long-time signature player here, had had a couple of down seasons, but he's back in top form with 11 points, 11 games played. Underrated D-man Ryan Suter is right behind him with 10, and I have a lot of time for this guy, but I don't think he gets the credit that he should in terms of being a minute eater and a steady point producer along with some of the better-known top defensemen in the league. On the downside, though, Nino Niederreiter struggling, struggling with only three assists, and I'm expecting much more from this guy who has ta- talent oozing from every pore. This is a very healthy roster, though. They're only missing depth forward Matt Hendricks, who's got a lower body injury with a one-week uh, time span in terms of his being out. Uh, workhorse Devin Dubnik is back among the goalie leaders with six wins, a pretty nice goals against average at 219 and a 937 save percentage in nine starts. What I like about this team is actually some of their depth options that I think they can build around for the future. And that's Joel Erickson Eck, Jordan Greenway, uh, JT Brown, a couple of guys that are still kind of uh, JT Brown's a little bit older, but guys that are still kind of coming into it uh, and can maybe help uh, kind of push a, a youth movement here in, in some sense. Uh, I love the Dumba Sutter pairing. They, I think those guys are playing really well together. Uh, and Devin Dubnik is pretty much solid as always. And uh, the thing that always concerns me with him is whether or not he's going to get let down um, by a lack of offense. That hasn't been the case this year. Really wasn't the case last year, but the couple of years before that, he'd have a solid outing and then just have nobody backing him up. So it looks like maybe that won't be the case this year uh, and makes him more of a, a play in, in fantasy for me. In Montreal, boy, this has got to be one of the big surprises in the Atlantic Division. Maybe the whole league, they're sitting with a 6-2-2 two, two mark, AJ, and nobody could have predicted that. Maybe not even the ard- most ardent Montreal fans that I know certainly wouldn't. Max Domi's enjoying the limelight here with 11 points and 10 games played up front, so he's loving life in, in La Belle Provence. On defense, uh, P- Petrie is carrying the big load with 9 points and a plus 1 mark. Uh, and another D worth noting here at the moment, uh, 
and instead of uh, Shea Weber, who's still going to be away for a few weeks, they're saying he's going to be back in mid-December. Kote Kanemi, the highly regarded rookie, reached the 10-game mark, but he's got no goals and four assists. I wonder if they might rue the decision to hold him onto the main roster, but they might have to because vets like Placanitz and Shaw have contributed very little, and so that's going to cause them to reach out for some other players to perform. In the Nets, the key to the whole thing is Carey Price. Been sensational with a 213 goals against and a 922 save percentage in, in, between, in the twine. I think that the most interesting thing uh, that I've seen from them out of the first month is, is Carl Alsner uh, serving as a healthy scratch uh, for a number of games here. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised by that, but it shows that they want to test out uh, some of these younger guys in, in Noah Yulson, Victor Mete, and kind of see what they have there. Uh, and so that's that's been the biggest surprise for me. Uh, Brendan Gallagher is is up there with six goals as well, having a, a really strong uh, another strong season after putting up 31. That was a career high for him last season and hasn't really missed a beat at all this year. New Jersey, 5-2-1. and one. That's uh, a pretty nice mark. This is a team that's uh, on the rebound like Leafs were a couple of years ago. They're kind of in lockstep with what Toronto's uh, uh, uptick has looked like. Nice start despite five injured vets here, including Corey Schneider, who should make his season debut later this week. Keith Kincaid has been stellar uh, as, the, as the starting guy playing every minute so far. Two twelve goals against and a 9.25 cent percentage. To, the, to those of you who listened to our preseason prediction to watch Kyle Pomeri, uh, he has 13 points in eight games, and I say you're welcome. His line mates, Hall and Heesher, are also off and running, AJ, and we kind of expected that, so it's kind of the sidekick theory kicking in again. I've been also waiting on Damon Severson to break out on defense, and he's also got a nice start with seven points in eight games played. Not so much for talented Pavel Zaka, who is pointless in eight games, and there has to be a little bit of concern about him, a former top draft pick in this organization. I, I am really interested to see what happens with this goaltending situation because uh, you have uh, Keith Kincaid playing really well right now, and I would be you know really hesitant uh, to bounce him from that number one role. But of course, you have Corey Schneider, who is uh, and has been for the last couple of years your starting netminder. There have been some injury concerns there, and then third, you have Eddie Lack too who they signed to a one-way deal. So in order to uh, make a change there, they would have to put him on waivers. Uh, and I would I would be shocked if Eddie Lack cleared labor, waivers. So I wouldn't be totally surprised to see this team maybe trade uh, Lack away. I think Lack's the most likely candidate. But uh, if there's a market there for Corey Schneider, maybe they pull the trigger on that one and just uh, go full in with Keith Kincaid on the start as the starter here. Um, I, I, I'd be a little bit more surprised by that one, but it's, I definitely think it's on the table right now. In Nashville, the Preds are sitting with an 8-3 mark. This despite Pekka missing the last four games, and though he resumed skating last fr- Friday, I don't see a timetable yet for his return. In his absence, UC Saros owners get an early dividend with his five wins and his nice marks at 273 goals against, 912 save percentage. The top line, Forsberg, Johansson, and Arvidsson is sizzling, as are the top four D-men. There's no surprise there. I wonder if they deal one of those D-men to offer offensive depth, though, because it kind of falls off after that top line. Kevin Fiala, a key part of that offense, has been limited to only three points and a minus six in 11 games played, so there's a bit of a concern there. 
Well, and you look at other guys that uh, have contributed uh, in years past. Nick Benino, just two assists at this point, uh, had 25 points last year, 37 the year before when he was with Pittsburgh. Uh, and Ryan Hartman is another one, uh, four points through the first 11 games here. So they're not getting any sort of depth scoring. And, and you're right, uh, what they have best uh, and most uh, deepest is that blue line. Now, Dan Hamhuis dealing with that injury. Once he comes back, maybe that gives you an opportunity uh, to trade uh, a bigger a bigger piece, or maybe it just you know convinces them that it's okay to trade a guy like Matt Irwin, Yannick Weber. Now you won't get quite as big of a return, but it could be enough to kind of tip the scales. And then obviously, once they get Austin Watson back, he's suspended, uh, and so his coming back into the fold could help them offensively as well. And with the New York Islanders, they're treading water at 5-4-1, A.J. Josh Bailey and Anders Lee, though, they've surprised me by continuing to score here without their uh, usual center, John Tavares, who's moved somewhere else, as we know. Uh, they both have 11 points in 10 games played. Brock Nelson, with five goals and one assist, has the plum assignment as their new center and has looked good in that role. The second line, though, Matthew Barzal, Jordan Everly, and uh, Beauvillier have one, only one goal each, so a bit of a concern there. On defense, the bigger concern, though, maybe the biggest on this roster, is Nick Letty on a $5.5 million cap hit is considered their top-scoring D option, but has only one assist and a minus four in his 10 games, continuing a downward spiral from last season where he was just awful, AJ. That's very disturbing here. Uh, in, in light of all this, uh, in terms of the negativity on the second line of depth scoring and defense, Thomas Grice and Robin Leonard have been outstanding in the Nets, and that has to count as a very big surprise, a pleasant one here for the Islanders. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, the lack of production from from the blue line. Uh, there just hasn't been uh, anybody that that has been able to step up here for them. You know, Mayf Mayfield has one, Pelich has one, and Pulak has one. That's, that's really all uh, that they can add. Uh, I'm a little surprised that Lucas Pisa hasn't panned out um, better for them. I, I thought he could contribute more offensively. Now, granted, he's more of an assist guy than a goal guy, but uh, he's got just one assist through three games and has been a healthy scratch more often than not at this point. So uh, a little surprised to see, you know, how much this blue line has really struggled. Uh, I do think it's interesting to note that the uh, shots allowed per game for for this team are down it's something that they really really struggled with last season and so they finally seem uh, to kind of be turning the tide it's still on the higher end but 33.7 uh, is is down from last year the New York Rangers 3-7-1 and one record is no surprise, AJ. We thought that they would be a bottom feeder, and so far they certainly are. Henrik Lundqvist, though, has been uh, very good despite uh, the lack of uh, support around him. A 2-6 and six record, not great, but 277 goals against and 917 save percentage, probably better than we could have expected here. Uh, the bad news is plentiful. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, only two assists and a minus five in ten games on a big contract. Vladimir, Vladislav Nemesnikov, three points and a minus six. And young Philip Cheidel, two assists in 11 games. These guys were counted on to lead some of the scoring line attacks. Not much going on there, uh, despite the ice time these guys are getting. On the plus side, young D-man Neil Pionk is a guy that I uh, highlighted in the preseason. He's got six assists in nine games and is logging 23 minutes a game, looking probably the best of the lot on the blue line. Well, and they benched Kevin Shattenkirk for, for a couple games, too. So, uh, you know, it really, uh, he has not panned out 
in my opinion, I've said this in the past. I don't think Kevin Shattenkirk has really been a, a solid contributor since he left St. Louis. I think it's been that long. Uh, you know, the right now the offense starts and stops with Mika Zabinijad. He's really the only option that they have. Brett Howden showed flashes uh, earlier uh, in the month, but has kind of tailed off uh, on the back end there. So not, as you said, not a lot going on with this club right now. The Ottawa Senators, A.J., 4-4-2 four, four is the record, but uh, the thing that stands out here for me is Thomas Shabbat doing an excellent Eric Carlson imitation, 13 points in 10 games played. And in addition, Matt Duchesne finally looks comfortable in a Senators uniform with 11 points in his 10 games played, so that's good news there. Chris Tierney has surprised as well with 10 points so far in a second-line center role. I don't expect that to continue. That's just not his pedigree, AJ, but so far so good there. In the Nets, Craig Anderson's numbers aren't that good so far in his nine starts so there's room for improvement there they took a bit of a blow uh, i really liked what i saw out of brady to looking like a, a great candidate for uh, rookie of the ca- uh, year uh, with six points in his first four games before sustaining a leg injury that'll sideline him for a month so hopefully he hits he uh, gets back sooner than that and continues what he started They've had really bad luck on the injury front. You've got Jean uh, Gabriel Pajot is out for almost the entire season, maybe comes back at the very end after that Achilles injury. Zach Smith took a puck to the face the other night, uh, suffered three facial fractures of, of his cheap bone. I'm guessing they haven't announced officially, but I'm guessing he's going to be out uh, you know, for several, several weeks, uh, could, could trend to months. And then the other one that that happens is Mark uh, Borowicki comes back from a one game suspension for elbowing and throws out an illegal check to the head of Cody Eakin. And now he'll miss another three games. Uh, That has to be the most boneheaded decision I've seen uh, from from a player in quite a while to go back you're back from suspension and then you do something to get suspended again i was a little surprised that they opted for the phone hearing uh and the the three game suspension the fact that he was in his first game back i i wouldn't have been shocked to see the league uh go with an in-person uh to help get them above that six game threshold the Philadelphia Flyers are off to a struggling start with a 4-7-0 and mark. Uh, poor goaltending continues to be the Flyers' albatross. Ask me if you heard that one before, AJ. A combined <laughs> 4 goals against average, 8-56 save percentage by Elliot Picard and Neuwirth. They need to shore that up. This is a recording. Big off-season signing JVR has been limited to only two games played before a lower body injury sidelined him. He could be back in a couple of weeks, and they really need him to offset some of the troubles in the nets Uh, sean couturier is another guy who struggled only three points in his 11 games he had a breakout campaign last year but has really regressed to uh, the level he was before that after that breakout campaign the similar thing can be said for nolan patrick only two goals and a minus seven Uh, the young centers have struggled out of the gate and that's hurt this offense in in a big way well, and their offense isn't getting any help from the blue line either. Shane Gosses Bear, uh, no points in his last five games, hasn't scored a goal in his last eight games. Uh, and so it's really just struggles all around uh, for this team. No offense from your forwards, no offense from the defense, and goalies who can't keep the puck out of the net. 
Oh, well, well, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit, <laughs> shall we? AJ, 6-1-2. and two. Your smile is like a, the cat who swallowed the canary this morning. The offense is firing at a great rate with 40 goals in nine games played. In goal, not only did Casey DeSmith outduel Tristan Jerry for the backup role, but to my mind, he's almost outplayed Matt Murray so far. It's a plus that they will push each other going forward, I think. And other good news, Chris Letang is once again among the top D-men in the game with 11 points in nine games played. I'm thrilled that this guy's as healthy as he is, AJ, I'll say that. Justin Schultz's lower leg injury, a bit of a concern, has left a hole in the defense, but it's been filled by one Jamie Alexiak, and not too many people saw that coming. I'll say it before you do, partner. This edition of the Pens looks very good right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, uh, you know, the, the Broussard injury is a bit of a concern, but everything seems to be indicating uh, more of a day-to-day. Uh, Chris Letang a little banged up. Uh, they call it kind of a nagging issue that he's dealing with. Hopefully that doesn't sideline him long-term. Um, but I do really like what the team has gotten out of Yuso Ricola uh, as a fill-in for kind of adding some offensive support. You mentioned nobody really predicted Jamie Alexiak getting uh, a bunch of points, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. That's not uh, something I expected from him either. Daniel Sprong's been a bit of a disappointment. The problem for him is he's kind of stuck in a, a fourth uh, fourth line role given the players ahead of him. Uh, I was just uh, reading a, a breakdown the other day talking about how Sprong would be best served playing with a guy like Evgeny Melkin. Well, guess who's not going anywhere? Phil Kessel as those two are playing phenomenally together. Carl Hagelin not getting a ton of points, but adding uh, the speed and, and grit uh, to that line and, and everything uh, really just clicking a, a few issues here or there. But as you said, team looks really good after a, a somewhat disappointing start in which Murray gave up 11 goals in those first two games. In San Jose, this is another top team in the West that's looking like it. 6-3-2 and two is the record. The ongoing absence of Joe Thornton means that there's been some juggling among the top six forward forwards here. Kevin LeBanc may have lost his scoring line role to Melker Carlson in the current lineup. On defense, Eric Carlson has seven assists, but has yet to resemble the guy who led the Sens in scoring for the last couple of seasons. Joe Pavelski, uh, maybe getting a little long in the tooth here. Five goals, but no helpers so far. A little bit below his usual pace. The Sharks have the look of a top team in the West once again. And if their older guys uh, get on track, they'll be even stronger. I really thought we'd see uh, somewhat better numbers from from Mark Edward Vlasic uh, to start the season. I, I thought he'd pair up well. Uh, you know, there with with Eric Carlson. And really, it just hasn't happened. He's got three assists uh, in in those 11 games. The one uh, disappointing thing for for me in terms of fantasy ownership, uh, I thought Antti uh, Sumela was playing really well with the Vander Kane on that third line. Um, But with that Thornton injury, they just had to move Kane back up to play with Pavelski there. And so uh, Sumela not going to do as well without you know, a winger of that caliber on his line. Uh, and so a disappointment there for me as a, as a fantasy owner of his, uh, and Burns and Carlson, you know, their numbers, uh, have been uh, a little down and it's interesting to say that about Carlson seven assists through 11 games, but no goals yet. Uh, and again, this is someone who tends significantly more in the assist category. I think they're going to get it going. He does have three assists in the last three games. Uh, and that power play seems to finally be be clicking with the two of them. 
In St. Louis, the Blues are off to a somewhat middling start with a 3-4-3 record, though veteran off-season additions Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron are certainly doing their part, leading the scoring parade. And even Tyler Bozak has done his part to fill in as the third-line center, so depth down the middle in place there for sure. Zach Sanford has taken advantage of some of the injuries to earn a top-six winger role for the time being, so the offense looks deep once again. Uh, on defense, the Blues look to have a variety of options, too, as Vince Dunn, he started strong er, last year, but he has six points to join Petrangelo and Pareko as credible uh, scoring options here. Oddly, though, Jake Allen hasn't been very good in the Nets. 399 is the goals against average, 874 the save percentage. you got to believe he's going to turn that around. Uh, that nine-game sample, not representative of what he's done for years in the league, and uh, I expect a turnaround there, and the Blues' the fortunes should uh, improve dramatically. I'm really interested to see what this blue line kind of shakeup uh, looks like when they get Carl Gunnarsson back here uh, sooner rather than later. They also have Robert uh, Bertuzzo dealing with an injury, but they made the move. They didn't give up much, but they traded for Jakob Jarabek, and they do have Vince Dunn, Jordan Smaltz. Uh, it's actually a really deep blue line, but there's no, like, head and tail stand out above everybody else. So um, I'm interested to see when Gunnarsson comes back, gets activated off injured reserve. One, how does he fit in the lineup? And two, how does he fit in the roster in general to stay under that 23-man cap? It's a situation you're definitely going to want to watch if you have any ownership on this blue line. In Tampa, they're off to the expected great start, 7-2-1. You ask yourself, how good is Andre Vasilevsky? Well, here's some numbers to chew on. 183 is the goals against average, 940 is the save percentage in seven games played. His backup, Louis Domingue, not so much. Four goals against per game, 887 save percentage. So really, the team MVP here has to look like the goalie, if you ask me. If you want to be nitpicky, here you can also note that Steve Stamkos has only one goal and four helpers in his 10 games played or that no d-man has more than four points here the only nagging concern is that upper body injury to victor hedman who may miss the next several games that's really the only red flag that i see at the moment i am very concerned about the stamkos numbers and and i think to the to the point of that they've you know look they're gonna look at moving him uh off you know it's been kind of stamkos kucherov and then uh palat although he's dealing with an injury jt miller's played up there as well um, but they're going to separate kucherov and stamkos which i think is an interesting decision I, i'm not sure how it's going to pan out I, I don't love uh the move I, I think tyler johnson can be admirable playing with Stam- um you know with kucherov but then you've got stamkos playing with point and gord who are solid players um, but they're just not the same caliber that a guy like stamkos is used to working with in Toronto, the Leafs record dropped to 8-4-0, and four and, oh, and uh, I'm pretty happy with that mark, I'll say. But, uh, boy, the news off the ice is what's the problem here. William Nylander's holdout uh, may take a much different turn. He's held out f- through the offseason, through the first few weeks of the season. But now he may have an extra chip in his corner uh, bargaining uh, power because Austin Matthews uh, sustained a shoulder injury recently, and he's out a minimum of four weeks, so the offense has taken a hit there. Uh, in addition, Mitch Marner, this guy's a joy to watch, AJ. A highlight reel waiting to happen for me. I look forward to watching him every night. He's just that good, and he's right there in terms of one, uh, 1A to Matthews 1 in terms of the value to the team here. So you have to hope that he can help this team withstand the loss of uh, their uh, all, uh, their uh, superb sophomore center, 
third-year center, I should say. On defense, Morgan Riley looks like a true number one D-man to me, partner. 15 points in his first 12 games, and he's also facing the top uh, forwards uh, from the opposing, opposing teams every night. So I, I think it's, a, it's time to recognize him for what he is, one of the top defensemen in the game right now. Uh, a concern that I have is Patrick Marlowe yet to hit his stride with only one goal and four assists, and that cap hit of $6 million not looking so good today, AJ. In the Nets, Freddie Anderson has been very good in, in goal, breaking a trend that we've seen in the past two Octobers from him in, in Toronto, but he's done everything he can to lift this team to where they are in the standings right now. Yeah, the the key, I think, has... Uh, been the the kind of breakout season it started last year um, and continuing this year for Morgan Riley uh, I, I had some initial concerns that that 52 mark uh, from last season was going to be more of an anomaly and that he'd slide back into the the 20 you know high 20s low 30 range that he had been the previous four years well he's already halfway to that mark uh, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him post career best numbers his high in goals is nine uh, he's got four the high on assists might be a little bit higher uh, harder to get but he's at 11 and he's got to get to 46 to tie last year's assist number I th- certainly think he can get there and, and will be a really a key factor with Austin Matthews uh, sidelined and at this point yeah I do think you need to get Willie Nylander back as quick as possible obviously there's cap concerns here that you have to work within um and, you know to make sure that you're compliant with that but i i think they maybe need to consider uh paying nylander more than they originally wanted to in vancouver the canucks have played more games than any team in the league they're up at 13 games played a seven and six record uh, they're doing better than i expected with this busy schedule aj and a rookie is leading the way elias peterson is turning heads leading the club tied with bo horvat with 10 points but Peterson's done it only seven games after dealing with a mild concussion earlier this month. Sven Berchi is on the IR with similar concussion symptoms, and uh, they've taken a hit on the blue line with veteran D-men Chris Tanev and Alex Edler out of the lineup, though uh, Tanev should be back sooner rather than later. He's listed as day-to-day with a hip, but Edler is out three to six weeks with a sprained MCL. That's not great news for their power play quarterback. Uh, they're not getting much uh, offense from the blue line, though, all told, and that could be a telltale sign that drags this team down a little bit. Well, and I think the injury to Anders Nielsen is is going to be a factor here as well. Uh, his, you know, with him out, then it's all on uh, Jacob Markstrom, and so far they've been able to kind of uh, split duties a little bit here, and I think that's allowed the team to kind of play the hot hand, which uh, I think is good for them. I think it suits. Uh, what they're going to run into on a night-to-night basis. So um, that injury, I think, is going to hurt more than it might look initially. And, yeah, you talked about Elias Pettersson and Bo Horvat kind of leading the way here. Those guys are each accounting for 20% of the team goals right now. Uh, so that's 40% of all goals scored by the Canucks tied up in two guys. And, obviously, that was a factor uh, when Pettersson was out for those couple of games. Uh, they just could not produce at the same level without him in the lineup. Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights 5-5-1. Five, five uh, they're not sneaking up on anybody this year, AJ, and they've lost that advantage in year two. New addition Max Pacioretty struggling with only two goals and zero assists in ten games played and now dealing with an upper body injury. Similarly, Paul Stastny, another uh, recent pickup, 
uh, only appearing in three games for sustaining an undisclosed injury that could keep him sidelined for two months. So that's a terrible blow for for the uh, Knights. They aren't getting much offense from the blue line either, uh, yet uh, new face Nick Holden leads the rear guard with only three points to date. Fleury's been merely mortal in that too, and that's kind of hurt the cause. Well, so if you look at Fleury's numbers for the whole season, I would agree that he looks a little more mortal, as you put it. Um, But that's factoring in a pair of outings in which he gave up four goals. Uh, Sat against against Pittsburgh as part of a back-to-back. Since then, has played six straight, has gone 4-1-1 in those last six with a 1.66 goals against average and a .93 save percentage. So I think it looks to me like the Flowers starting to turn the tide a little bit here. That one loss came against Tampa Bay. It's hard to fault any netminder for that, uh, given how good that team is. So uh, maybe a rough start there uh, for Flurry little of bit of rust to shake off from the preseason but i think he's good to go and i think uh you're going to see this team and the flower get back on track in washington the defending champs are five three and two Jakob vrana has been a nice fit in the top six forwards here with five points in 10 games taking up the slack for suspended numbskull tom wilson i'll say that brent brett Connolly is a surprise contributor here with seven points in 10 games played so good on him Although he's still playing a third-line role, he's getting more minutes and could challenge for a top-six role if Vrana or Burakovsky falter up there. Neither Braden Holtby or Felix Copley have been too steady in goal so far, and that's a bit of a concern for the defending cup champs. I think, uh, for me, I I think we've got to talk. I don't think we've had a chance to talk about Tom Wilson here. Uh, If you took some time to read through uh, that uh, decision by Bateman on, on not honoring the appeal, uh, even Tom Wilson admitted uh, that he made contact with the head. Even Tom Wilson's GM admitted that he could have made a different decision. And so uh, I really thought all of that was very interesting. Uh, if I'm Oscar Sunquist, I'm not real thrilled with the NHLPA right now. Uh, the fact that they not only argued that Wilson didn't violate the rule in the first place, which anybody that watched that hit uh, knows is outrageous take uh, to to go with, but that in the event that he did violate rule 48, which they don't believe he did, uh, he should only have been suspended eight games. Again, I think is a ridiculous take uh, for the league, uh, the players association there to take. I get they're just doing their job to try and support one player, but you have to factor in Uh, another player and i thought it was good on bateman not only to uphold it but could you imagine the optics if they had uh reduced that on the same night that oscar sunquist was going to return to the lineup i I think it would have just been outrageous uh hopefully wilson's suspension doesn't get overturned or shortened by the the third party uh arbitrator here i think he earned that one wholeheartedly uh and and really i i hope he changes his game but for now uh i call me on on the not uh, believer category on that one well there's rant number one in today's show good, <laughs> good on you aj that was well said uh, finally to wrap it up the winnipeg jets seven four and one connor hellybuck is sporting ordinary numbers in net despite the gaudy team numbers his goals against only three flat and a 907 save percentage they expect more from him as one of their signature players uh, up front a couple of other signature players struggling patrick line only five points and a minus three nikolai ehlers four points and a minus seven they're underperforming big time but the rest of the team leaders wheeler shifley bufflin and truba are all on par with expectations 
Another nice bit of news comes from Josh Morrissey with seven points emerging as yet another D-man with an offensive upside. They got a boatload of them here, and he should continue to, to develop in the mix with that company, AJ. Well, it's time to turn our attention to uh, our FanDuel segment. We're going to bring this to you uh, in coming weeks uh, where we put our lineups together. We look at the Rotowire Optimizer. I'll get AJ to talk about that in a little bit. But I uh, want to remind you that FanDuel is a place where over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on on their platform. AJ, you and I are among those people. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we ask you to sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. We have an 11-game slate, AJ. And rather than going through each of these games, I wanted you to take a look at some of the games on the schedule. Maybe point out one or two that you'll be keeping an eye on. Well, yeah, for sure I'll be watching the Pittsburgh game. That's that's obviously a given. And I mentioned I do kind of want to see uh, Buffalo and want to see the Rasmuses together and, and how they play well, um, if they play well together. Outside of that, I think Vegas at Nashville is one of the, the kind of premier games uh, tonight, a matchup of two really strong teams. Uh, and, and Minnesota at Edmonton as well, always a good chance to see Connor McDavid. And for me, I'm looking at the Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes give the Bruins a tough time most times out, and they're playing their starting. The Bruins are starting their backup goalie, so that might level the playing field a little bit uh, for the home side against one of the premier teams in the loop. Dallas is at Montreal. That means uh, Alex Radiloff, if he's ba- back and healthy, gets a chance to go back to the team that gave him his start in the NHL and uh, I th- or his big breakthrough in the NHL, I'll say. And uh, so we'll see if, uh, if uh, that... Uh, turns out to be the case see if montreal can continue their winning ways as well so those are the games that we're keeping an eye on aj we use the rotomire optimizer to be a barometer for what's a good lineup potentially for players that don't really want to do a lot of the research can you tell us a little bit about the optimizer its tools and the lineup that they put out today yeah, so the optimizer, uh, really, there's kind of two ways to do it. You can uh, generate a lineup without really changing any uh, any of the inputs and, and kind of go from there. You can use it to help you build uh, stacks if you want to, you know, stack uh, specific teams, stuff like that. Uh, and so the other option, too, is to lock in a bunch of players and, and have it help you make that that kind of last piece decision. Right. So, OK, I, want, I know I want to use these four guys. Who else should I build it out with? But uh, like I said, you can just run the optimizer straight up. And if you did that right now, you're looking at Matthew Barzell and Casey Middlestat as your centers at 6,300 and 3,800 respectively. Uh, that price tag is really low on Middlestat. It's something I'll certainly be taking a look at uh, for, for my lineups later today. Uh, and wing, you've got Taylor Hall at 7,700, Jonathan Marchesault at 7,300, and Clayton Keller at 7,100. All pretty high price options i'm a little gun shy and using taylor hall tonight against tampa bay he is a player that produces all the time uh but going up against vasileski hasn't worked out for a lot of teams right now uh the one cheap kind of value play on the wing here is alex took uh for the golden knights going into nashville coming in at 4500 again playing in nashville isn't always the easiest so uh, another one that maybe i shy away with but it could end up being a contrarian play tonight so might be uh, a good look in gpp contest 
defensively, uh, the optimizer's going with a bit of a high low here. So Brent Burns at 7,300, that's a big payup and certainly could work out against the Rangers who we highlighted their struggles. And then Ryan Pulak for the Islanders uh, against Pittsburgh, 3,900. Uh, we talked about the fact that the Islanders don't have a lot of people scoring. So again, uh, this is probably going to be a low ownership GPP play. Uh, I'm not putting Ryan Pollock in, in, in a 50, 50 or other cash game. And then, uh, in the nets, it is going to go with Mark Andre Fleury tonight against Nashville, 8,000 there. Uh, another one that, that maybe is a low, uh, low ownership number uh, just because playing at Bridgestone Arena hasn't really worked out for a lot of teams over the last couple of years. Uh, AJ, let me take a kick at the can here with the lineup that I want to ice tonight. I'm going to begin at center with Ryan Getzlaff at $6,900. I already mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers struggling at the center position with a couple of young guys underperforming. This is a veteran pivot who will take advantage, particularly on home and on ice, and collecting four points in his last two games. I like all of that mix. I'll pair him with Ryan Johansson, who himself has been pretty good in the last few games. He's produced uh, point totals in the double digits in seven of his last eight outings in terms of FanDuel play uh, on a, quite a point streak that dates back to some uh, seven of the last eight games registering points, collecting a lot of shots on goal, and even uh, producing the uh, few block shots that add to his total. So I don't mind that partnership at center. Two number one guys, and I'm not paying uh, over $7,000 for either one of them in, in favorable home ice matchups. In terms of the wing position, I'll go with visitor Mark Stone, who's a signature player for the Ottawa Senators, who are playing above their, their grade so far this season, and I think they get a chance to with a soft touch in Arizona tonight despite the the Coyotes recent turn I think the Senators are the better of these two teams and Stone will lead the way here Thomas Hurdle is a guy that I'm high on and he has a pretty good matchup against the visiting New York Rangers he's had a pretty torrid streak with points in his last six games too AJ and lots of shots on goals uh, as well so for $5,700 I like the value that he brings to the table there Toivo Teravainen. I'm going against the Boston Bruins tonight. They're starting their backup goalie, I think, this evening against the homestanding Canes, who, as I said, tend to play well against the visiting Bees. And so I'll take Teravainen. He's got points in four of his last five games. Good shot totals as well for a top six guy who's also getting special teams minutes. That's pretty good value at 6100 bucks. I'll go to your Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I'm sure you're going to have a few more than I do in your lineup. I'm picking Jake Gunsel at $6,300. He's a guy that's riding shotgun with the top uh, pivots every night here. So uh, regardless of who he, who he plays with, I like his chances to continue scoring where he's got five goals in his last nine games and producing lots of shots on goal and getting his share of blocks as well. So $6,300. I'm not blowing my brains up for any wingers uh, but pretty good balance in my roster and that continues on the blue line AJ I'm able to put in a guy like a Seth Jones who gets the favorable game against the Detroit Red Wings who've been terrible this year Jones for his part looked very good in the three games that he's returned and could fatten up his stats with his mates tonight in a lopsided game for the homestanding jackets and I'll pair him with Cam Fowler and uh, hope for a mini stack against uh, the Flyers tonight Cam Fowler is a guy a minute big minute guy and he's produced 
fairly steadily in the last few games, not spectacularly uh, in terms of point scoring, but shots on goal, block shots are right there, uh, better than the average D-man. And if he gets an assist or two or a goal, he's got great value at 4900 bucks for me this evening. Uh, and I'll round it out with Cam Talbot. I mentioned this is a key guy in terms of Edmonton's fortunes. They catch a Minnesota team that was in Vancouver last night. So I always take a look at the visiting team that's on the second of back-to-backs. And uh, Minnesota did take the L last night, so they'll be smarting a little bit. And the homestanding Oilers have been playing very well. So I like the chances for, for Talbot to come away with the victory. Curious to see what you think of that lineup and uh, how you ice your roster tonight. Well, so for me, I, I am going to go with with a pretty heavy Penguin stack, but I did want to give uh, our listeners another option. So I'll tweet out what that Penguin stack uh, looks like later today. As far as my other option, uh, I really like uh, kind of basi- basically two lines tonight. Uh, and the first one is Jack Eichel in Buffalo. Uh, they're playing a Calgary team that's really struggled. They're at home. And you can go a high-low Eichel at 7,400 and then take his uh, winger Jason Pominville for just 4,300, which is really good value for how well he's played lately. Uh, And so I'll use the two of them. And then I like Ottawa's first line tonight uh, against Arizona, who's a team that, you know, continues to kind of historically struggle. They're good uh, value across the board. So you get Matthew Shane at 6,000. That's definitely not overpriced for him. Ryan Dezingle at 5,000 and Mark Stone at 5,600. You can put the whole uh, first line in there and really not spend a ton of money. And because I've saved up my fourth winger, I am going to throw Phil Kessel in there, even in this lineup. The power play minutes are there. The pairing with Malkin is there. Everything is really clicking uh, for that. And Kessel comes in at 8,100. Uh, defensively, I'm going to go similar to your Seth Jones, but I'm going to go with Zach Wierenski tonight. Uh, his price tag is a little bit higher at, at 5,500, but I've used Jones a bunch recently, to be perfectly honest, and kind of want to take a different look, but those guys will pair up. And then I talked about Oscar Clefbaum uh, for uh, Edmonton and, and how well he's done lately. He's at just 5,000, pretty good value there as well. And then I like Yaroslav Halak tonight. Uh, for Boston, he's performed really well lately. The Bruins are always a good chance to get to get a win uh, with that talented offense. So uh, that's kind of how I've, I've stacked up my lineup tonight. Like I said, I'll tweet out my more heavy uh, Penguin stack later in the day. All right, and we're going to bring back another couple of signature elements to our show. Uh, the stud of the week and the rant of the week. The stud of the week, we try to highlight somebody that's done some good work or some, a notable thing in the past week of play. And uh, this week, Philip Forsberg qualifies. You know, we talk a lot about the goaltending in Nashville and the defense, the all-stars that they ice and top two pairings there. But Philip Forsberg is their signature offensive piece, and he's certainly playing like it right now, AJ. Five goals, one assist, and three of those goals on the power play. So great value in terms of DFS play from him in the past week. We know the Preds can defend, but he's a huge part of this offense that should not go overlooked. Absolutely. And he has been kind of their signature goal scorer for for a while. Um, Didn't quite get to 30 last season, had gotten there the previous two, uh, should be back, I would imagine, up over 30, considering he's already at 10. I think he could put up a career high in points this season. He's hit 64 twice, hit 63 on one other occasion. Uh, Don't be surprised to see him uh, pushing for the 70-80 mark this year. All right, and the rant of the week is a a situation where one of us has something to say, maybe a chip on our shoulder or something that we don't like that's in the hockey landscape. And for me, it hits close to home with the Leafs and Willie Nylander in a game of chicken that's gone on way too long, as we both have hinted in 
this broadcast. I think the player is not getting good advice here. His father was notorious when he was in the NHL for being a holdout type as well, and he didn't have the skills that his son does, and he didn't have a situation where his team could be as competitive as this team is. So uh, he needs to look at the comparables that we've talked about in the past seeing guys like David Pasternak and Nikolai Ehlers in the 6 to $6.5 million range. Pasternak, far better player than Willie Nylander, Nylander in my opinion. Ehlers, though, is right there in terms of the scoring production that he's given uh, his team uh, in right in line with Nylander. I think there's about four or five points that separate them, and yet his contract is right there in the 6 to $6.5 million range. Yet for some reason, Willie Nylander's priced himself he and his agents have priced himself at $8 million, and they're not coming off that figure. And maybe they've got some bargaining power with Matthews being out right now, but I don't see the Leafs uh, balking here and, and caving in. So what might happen is a bridge deal where the salary would come down substantially, and maybe they only buy one year of his UFA status. So it could be a shorter-term deal. And the other part is uh, trade is possible. There's no fewer than 15 teams uh, I've seen in terms of rumors that have looked into the Leafs situation and the availability of Willie Nylander. But Kyle Dubas made a promise in the offseason to uh, Tavares and Leaf fans when he came here. He said he doesn't want to break up this squad. And uh, and uh, Dubas assured him that he's going to get all the top guys in under the cap. And so I expect that to happen. And I expect Nylander's camp to come back to uh, lower their salary at demand. But I sure hope they get it done before December the 1st. Yeah, the the eight million price tag is just kind of ridiculous to me. Uh, let me give you some players who have an eight million dollar cap hit this year, and let me know if you think Willie Nylander compares. Phil Kessel, John Carlson, Brent Burns, and Ryan Johansson. Uh, not so much. Sorry, Willie, you're just not up to that caliber. I definitely agree with you. Uh, that six, six and a half range, you know, uh, Paul Stastny uh, signed that deal. He's at six and a half. Uh, Eric Carlson's actually got a six and a half cap hit. David Pasternak slightly above that. You know, maybe you want to give him a little bit more. Um, but even Patrice Bergeron is at six point eight. Evander Kane at seven. Uh, you know, you're just talking guys uh, that that are well above uh, what Nylander's abilities are in terms of production and and to your point they're not going to sacrifice Matthews and Marner and being able to get those guys uh on a deal just to pay Willie Nylander it's just not going to happen well AJ it feels good to be back in the saddle here after a three-week hiatus and I think we did a good job getting through the teams today and uh, giving some good information we we uh, wrap up today's episode I'll, I'll give you a last word before I sign off yeah, just happy to have you back. Uh, really uh, have been looking forward to it. Like I said, I, I like to just be uh, the voice, let you handle all the brains aspect here. So uh, I'm the pretty face. You're the brains of the operation and, and glad to have you back, Paul. Oh, man, I, I took a hit there, I think. Backhanded. <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to podcast to get your tips to stay ahead of the competition in our fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody